And we are back with a special edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. Yes, we're finally here to talk to Thunder fans about Kevin Durant. I know I tease that there wasn't much going on with the Thunder this summer. That is not true. A lot has happened. To help us understand the Kevin Durant departure, Russell Westbrook's godlike status in the city, and all that, we have two folks from Welcome to Loud City, Marina Mangiuracina, the lead editor, and Chris Haneke, who also runs the Loud Noises podcast. They heard to talk about why they're still upset at Kevin Durant, not for his decision, but for how he's acted after it. We're also going to talk about Russell Westbrook and how he fits into the team in the future and how he, the city has embraced him. Uh, and we're going to talk about the weird team that results. You know, What is Victor Oladipo going to do? Does this team have enough shooting? Uh, are they going to be better defensively? Who's going to play? Who is Demonis Sabonis? A lot of interesting questions, when you, even when you separate out the Durant-Westbrook thing. So a lot to talk about. But before we do all that, I'm going to tell you this every single podcast, and it's the same thing. You should subscribe on iTunes. You should leave us a review. Uh, we accept your constructive criticism. We want to make this show better, especially once Ben gets back from his honeymoon. He's kind of leaving me all alone. So we want to get better and send us questions. As you see in this podcast and all the many other ones, we ask them on the show. You can tweet us at limited underscore upside. You can email me at mikepreda at sbnation.com. We'll get to them and they help dictate the tenor of the show. So anyway, sit back, enjoy the Oklahoma City Thunder with the Welcome to Loud City crew. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Shut up and sit down. All right, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, we've got Welcome to Loud City's uh, Marina Manjuracina. I got that right, correct? And uh, Chris Chris Haneke. And guys, let's just rip the Band-Aid right off, and let's talk about the Kevin Durant decision. Uh, Marina, I want to I want to start with you and ask this question: Do you feel any differently about his departure now than when you did right after you heard about when it happened? Uh, yeah, actually, I feel a little bit more uh, angry just because of like the comments that he's made and uh, just seeing them, how dominant they are. I guess, you know, just once you actually see what you've envisioned as this great, vast evil that's overcoming the NBA, that is this Warriors super team, and then you see it dominating the Lakers in the preseason or whoever, then that's kind of where you're just like, oh, man, this is awful. Plus the comments Katie's making about how we were playing stupid basketball despite the fact that we had a great, great defensive team while he was here, uh, and he was part of the reason we were playing stupid basketball uh, since, you know, he had, like, over half the possessions. But, you know, yeah, as a Thunder fan, you just feel really angry and betrayed and from my perspective uh, i have no sympathy for katie whatsoever so here's what he said i think you're referring to these comments where earlier in training camp he said quote there's a lot i need to learn about the game of basketball Uh, i'm not as smart as i thought i was about the game it's played a different way here than i was used to playing and then chrissy later said oh that's not a knock on oklahoma city it's not a knock on my past it's I mean, it's just different here. It's fun here. It's fun playing where I was, but that book is closed. Now, you don't believe that he actually is not knocking the thunder here. No, and I I think I don't believe that because I think he has yet to really say anything about the thunder organization, which is like kind of the most. And that's kind of what's been annoying about this whole thing, too, is that the narrative is like thunder fans are getting on him because he left. And, you know, they should be understanding that he wants to go new places. And it's like, that's great. But like at some point acknowledge kind of that you were here for eight years and that you know you did used to say all these great things about Oklahoma City and it seems like you know he never even gave like the courtesy Instagram or they he took it never took an ad out in the newspaper or anything like that like just some sort of gesture that said like hey guys like I really did love my time here I learned a lot I became who I am but now I want to do something new and it's just like it's just that one layer that he just doesn't seem to get and now it's like he doesn't even understand how these could be portrayed as slights at OKC. And he just wants us to pretend that they're not. And it's like, well, regardless of whether you say they are or not, like we're reading into it that way. And it's impossible not to read into it that way. And so at some point, like address the elephant in the room, KD, and just say like what you think about Oklahoma city. 
You don't think his Players Tribune letter where he, he talked about uh, no. Oklahoma City truly raised me is enough? Uh, you think he needs more? There's more that he should be doing? Uh, no, I mean, I think that Players Tribune letter, first of all, was like a 300 word press release. I wrote a whole thing on it right oh, after yeah. it happened, but it was like, yeah, it was kind of like. <laughs> To me, there was nothing really human in it. I mean, he used like corporate speak throughout most of it. You know, like he said things about play, like personal growth and my personal mandate and things like that. And it was like it wasn't this human side of him. And like I kind of, as I wrote, like kind of contrasted. Like back in the day, he was this dude who gave like the best speech ever in his MVP speech, one of the best uh, like sports speeches I've ever heard. And it was just very real and human. And it was kind of like that's where we wanted to see at least when you leave too, to just give something beyond just like a, a paragraph below when you're announcing that, Hey, I'm leaving you forever. Like maybe just some one extra gesture would be at least a step in the right direction. Marina, does this annoy you as well? Yeah. I, I think that, uh, basically here, there's basically this level of resentment that KD has that wasn't really there. Uh, right. you know, say when LeBron did it, but it's just, the resentment between uh, KD and Westbrook. And that's just kind of where it really is. Cause Westbrook kind of came in and took over KD's team. I mean, KD since three years ago, I believe has been saying, this is Westbrook's team. You know, this isn't mine. Whereas in the beginning it was kind of more clear, clearly KD's team. But I think once those kind of older locker room presences, guys like uh, Perkins kind of started to move away from the team. That's when, you know, Westbrook and Durant had to be a step into leadership roles and they just didn't have good enough of a chemistry to kind of balance it. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of what he's channeling right now and telling the fans is like, hey, you know, I, I just couldn't put up with Russell Westbrook anymore. And uh, that, you know, I, I just couldn't. And that's what he's saying to us, so I think. And yeah, that's the, that's another part. Sorry, just really quick. Like he right after it happened was like the whole uh, Howard Beck article on Bleacher Report where they basically called out Westbrook and said like he left because he didn't like the offense. And it was kind of like, first of all, Durant's always defended Westbrook. And so it's pretty obvious that like his camp planted that story to do some damage control. And that was another thing. Like you're going to slam Westbrook on the way out after you've defended him for so long. Like, come on, man. Well, it's possible that they had a great personal relationship, but perhaps a, at times tense working relationship, perhaps exacerbated by the way that they blew that game six uh, with both of them going one-on-one and him having seen what the war- the way the Warriors play and sensing that there is something new out there. It may, it may not be necessarily a contradiction for him to say that he respects Westbrook and while they're teammates, he'll defend him. But after however many years, nine years of playing together, eight years, that, that grew a little bit stale and they needed a change. So what what's interesting to me is that it does not seem that the two of them have reconciled in any sort of fashion since then. And I, I, I'm kind of curious, unless of course they're kind of just playing for the cameras, both of them, it does feel like that relationship, even though maybe they left on account of a basketball difference and now it's something else. Like they don't talk to each other and Westbrook doesn't seem to care anymore. I mean, how, how much do you buy all that? I, I honestly think that uh, Katie and Westbrook were never friends in the first place. I mean, uh, I did. This is just me speaking from my opinion. I don't know. I can't get into their minds. I don't know. But just as someone who's watched them, uh, you know, through culture since 2008, you know, through Twitter, how they kind of portray themselves, I never really saw that kind of off-court friendship between Katie and Westbrook that I saw between like Katie and Harden and Katie and Green. They just seem to hang out a lot more. I kind of like to point to that early video where KD, Green, and uh, Harden were all singing together, whereas, like, you know, Westbrook wasn't really included in on it. I mean, you see a couple photos now and then of them together doing stuff, you know, on or off court, but I really don't, I really think that the they kind of took two different paths in life. KD kind of talked about it in a quote at one point. He said, like, you know, Westbrook, he's kind of going off, he's marrying somebody, he's starring his own family, whereas I'm still a single dude. And uh, I think kind of because they went on those different paths, they never really just had that personal connection that made them you know like best friends so uh but i do feel that you're right in that like the professional basketball connection hurt the personal connection in the end yeah i I almost think the other way though like i think they had they were good professionally and they always had each other's backs and then i think you're right though on that personal level like westbrook's a guy that married his college sweetheart whereas like durant basically i mean he had a fiance for a second but then he is basically a single guy and again it's kind of like if, if he would come out and say, like, look, I respect him as a player and all these things, but it doesn't work, like, it just wasn't working, that's one thing, but it just, he still has yet to acknowledge any of it, um, and that's kind of where it, the disconnect is. Let me ask you, you, you both a question. If Durant 
had said, oh, you know what? Like, I really do feel smarter here. And no, that that isn't. That 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 is sort of a shot at how we played in Oklahoma City. Like these guys actually move the ball a lot more and whatever. If he maybe took the additional step the other way and owned sort of why he left Oklahoma City and stopped trying to kind of make it like, well, I'm allowed to do what I want, which he is, and he's totally allowed to do what he wants. But would you feel would you feel better about it if he was just maybe a little bit more honest about saying that there were problems in Oklahoma City? Would you feel a little bit differently about it? I'd probably respect him a little more for it. I mean, I'm sure I'm saying this now because it hasn't happened. And I mean, who knows when it actually happens. But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, seeing him be real again, because like I said, that's sort of what we all liked about him to begin with was he was just this real athlete who didn't care. Like I talked about, I mean, he he wanted to be called the servant instead of the Slim Reaper, which is just like the stupidest nickname ever. But it was kind of, <laughs> that was back in the day before he had like handlers and stuff. And it just seemed like this, this was genuinely him. And now it's kind of like, you know, and this was, talked about by so many other sources but just like it seems like he has his handlers now and they're very careful about his brand so it's like they can't go too hard on the villain side either because that ruins KD's brand as well he has to kind of play this middle ground a little bit and that's I mean it just it reeks of fake and I think that that's what's so annoying about all of it and if you read his Twitter mentions and see all the snake comments you kind of (laughs) I think we're not alone in thinking that I mean, I just, I just say Chris is on the money, and I, I completely agree. I think that KD just isn't as authentic through social media, through communicating with the fans as he used to be, and I think that's kind of reflected in that he's just a little bit too cryptic. And if he was a little bit more honest, like say, "Hey, this was strictly technical. I just want to win championships," like, and he was more honest in that way, I think I would respect him a little bit more. But he's always got to keep so much close to the chest that it's a little bit annoying from a perspective of like, you know, he left us and we had no warning. Uh, it's interesting you, you all say that. I think from a certain perspective, that's absolutely right. And I think it's sort of lame to say, yeah, I feel smarter now, but no, that's not a shot at the team that I came from. Even if it's sort of true, I think it's sort of, I can understand why that leaves a sour taste in people's mouths to put it that way. I also wonder though, that maybe he being, he is being a little bit more real than we're letting on and saying, you know what? F you all. I just wanted to make a change. And why do I have to explain to you why I I do it? And there's probably not much I think he can say or do given that he's going to the Warriors of all teams. And he didn't go to Boston. I assume it's different that he went to the Warriors instead of Boston or someone else, right? Definitely. Yeah, but I think I think that's the other part of it that's annoying. Like, I don't know if you watched the uh, his interview on Simmons Show on HBO, but it was a joke because it was basically the biggest softball interview ever. And it was like, that's just another thing that no one has. I don't know. I knew it's not asking about it yet, but it's like, yeah, he had that tweet five years ago about the heat thing. And yeah, that's five years ago. And I'm sure I've made tweets five years ago that I'm embarrassed about that I wouldn't believe now. But like at some point you have to acknowledge that and say back in the day, like you called out LeBron for joining a super team and now you just did it like what changed for you and no one's really gotten that part of the story yet either and that's the other is like can you just acknowledge that that you know maybe after you spent eight years working hard every year and just not getting over the hump you thought this was a better opportunity for you to do that just say that and that's fine but he hasn't said that either is there an element of leaving the middle America city and I hate to use these stereotypes too liberally but I I just is there an element of leaving a town like Oklahoma City, a small town for the coast of the Bay Area, in play here as well? Or is that too much projection? I mean, uh, as somebody who is who could have moved out of Oklahoma City and has chosen to stay here and really likes it, um, I, I do kind of kind of feel that as well because it's just, you know, like KD's like, oh, you know, I could have gone out to greener pastures. I can go here and enjoy all this, you know, greatness. And it's like, you know... With with the way you were talking to everybody and stuff, you made it sound like you really actually did make a choice to stay here. And, you know, then you just kind of learned it was all a lie. And it's a little bit, you know, just kind of on that personal level, it, it definitely does hurt in that sense. Because, you know, in some sense, a lot of Oklahomans have made that same choice to stay here instead of go somewhere more glorious. And I guess to defend KD, like, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, St. Louis, and then I moved to the West Coast, and I don't ever plan on going back. So, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I sort of in that regard. I mean, I, I understand that aspect of it, too. Like, he's 27 years old. He's single. He's rich as all hell. Like, I mean, go to the Bay Area, and there's some cool stuff up there for a guy in that situation to have. But 
at, not after he basically gave an interview a month before to Lee Jenkins that was like, oh, I, I look outside the windows and I see these jobs I've helped create. And it's like, it's oh, I do remember a that. very, yeah. yeah. And it's like, what was the point of all that then? You know, like, did you, yeah. I don't know. It just, that was, that was a big heel turn pretty quickly. It's just a tough thing because anything that he, it, once he makes a decision to leave, I think anything, almost anything he says or does or explains, I think it's going to hurt, right? You know, there's not much he can do once he makes that decision, I, in my opinion. I mean, maybe you guys disagree, but in my opinion, that can change, can make people feel in Oklahoma City feel better about the decision he made. It, it, it's going to be tough no matter what. You know, sometimes people just change. At the same time, you, you do wish that he'd own that a little bit more than he has instead of – it does feel a little bit of he's trying to have his cake and eat in two with with – He's not as comfortable accepting, I think, the criticism that he has he has taken, in my in my opinion. I, I don't I don't feel like he's fully embraced that that's a decision that whether he has the right to do so, whether it's right or whatever, it's going to take some criticism. It, it does feel a little bit like he's trying to have his cake and eat it too, to me. In some of the things that he's saying, he's not a natural villain he's he wants people to like him which i do too i mean we all do uh, <laughs> yeah we want people to like us but uh, i i wish i do wish that he would be a little he would own it a little bit more and it may just not be his personality he may just kind of say look I, I have better friends on that team and they play better ball and i have better chance to win and you know it does feel like there's a part of him that wishes that whatever criticism he did get. And I, I frankly thought it was fairly light compared to LeBron or whatever. I think there was a, a, an undercurrent of, we understand even though he joined a sack team and uh, did what he did, it doesn't feel like he's internalized all that criticism the right way. Uh, so it's a tough situation. No, I totally agree. And it's like, I mean, just like I said, at least send a, send something, do an Instagram post, do an ad, just something like that. But he never did. Now it's too late. So that's just the only part that really kind of stuck out to me that okay. he could have handled the exit a lot better, I think. Yeah. Well, at least he didn't go on TV and uh, send some money to the Boys <laughs> and Girls Club and make you sit through 16 questions before taking his talents yeah. to the Golden State Warriors. It could have been worse. So uh, that's definitely true. Now, the one Thunder player that did stick around a month after Durant left and I was a little surprised by this, and that is Russell Westbrook signed his extension. So, uh, Marina, were you surprised that Westbrook committed for, I guess, really only another full year? But were you surprised that he made that move to stay instead of playing the season out? Yes, uh, I was definitely surprised that Russ stayed. I mean, uh, Russ, like, you know, I think KD kind of created this kind of uh, myth around him really loving Oklahoma City, but... Russell Westbrook never really created that myth. You know, in the offseason, you always saw him going out to exotic destinations, doing what he wants. You know, he never seemed to be like an OKC first guy. But then I think that kind of this KD leaving away kind of ignited him to be an OKC first guy. And I don't think it's necessarily as much the city. You know, I think that he likes the city and he definitely enjoys the people and he appreciates what they've done. But I think it's more so the what we're trying to build as an organization. Like if the Thunder could somehow become consistently good like the Spurs, which, you know, is remotely still possible, uh, then, you know, Rustbrook would be the guy who built that. And you can't really claim that in a lot of franchises in the NBA because they've all got their history and stuff. But then, you know, all of a sudden you can, you know, if the Thunder become really good, then, you know, Westbrook can be this legend and he can be the guy who created it. And it's just kind of like, he's a guy who likes to break the trend. He likes to create his own stuff. He has his own fashion and stuff. So he really likes to, you know, go off on his own. So I think that this is just kind of him saying, Hey, I'm a rebel. I do what I want and I'm staying here. And, uh, I, I, I just think it, it is good from that perspective. So interesting. You think that just the decision to stay was motivated by Durant. I mean, obviously he's motivated to prove everybody wrong and star at a, as a player, but you think even the decision to stay in Oklahoma City was would not have happened if Durant had left. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the quote from Kevin Durant kind of like explains this best. You know, Westbrook is the guy who comes in, turns off all your lights, and lets you know that he's turning off all your lights. Whereas, like, <laughs> Durant is the guy who turns in all, off the lights, like, really sneakily. And I think Westbrook is just kind of guy who he wants to get in your face. He wants to get in your skin. That's how he plays basketball. And, you know, once you get under his skin and you kind of kind of ignite his rage, he's not going to stop and he's going to take it personally. I think that's exactly what he's done here. I mean, we didn't see Westbrook at an OU football game until this fall, and he's been here for eight years. So I think that says a lot. 
He went to an OU football game? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He went to their uh, opener, I think, against a really bad team. Or not oh. their opener, the second game. The okay, I was going to say, the opener was against Houston. That would not have been a good game to go to. No, <laughs> um, no. He went to like Louisiana Monroe and they crushed him. Uh, smart smart of him to go to a game on <laughs> the team. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, it strikes me as we, we talk about this that we don't really know Russell Westbrook, Chris. And the, a lot of people, I would suspect, thought – that he and not Durant would be the first one to leave because he always, like Marina said, he leaves town a lot in the summer and uh, he has a fashion line and all of this. And yet he's the one to say, "Does this did this show that we don't really know Russell Westbrook at all still or does it show that we got him wrong? I mean, what what's the larger message of him staying to you? I think it's just kind of, kind of like Marina was saying, like I think he's just this super competitive guy and I think – I totally agree that I don't know if necessarily if Durant sticks around if if Westbrook is the if Westbrook sticks around long term too. I think that he kind of saw this as like wait a second like now this is my chance to own it and he's I mean you've seen him play he's the most competitive guy I've ever watched play basketball and it's like I think that carries on in his how he perceives himself and I think he kind of realized wait I can do everything I'm doing right now and basically own the city in the way that Durant Durant kind of had that mantle for the longest time. Cause you know, like or not, it was his, he was the forefront of that franchise. And then like now that he left, it's kind of like, Oh, well now I can get the statues built of me and I can basically be the face of this franchise and all of that. So, uh, and I mean, I just think, you know, there was the part of me too, that I always thought he wanted to move West. I think his wife likes LA. Um, and you know, but I think there's also the side of him that he is just this homebody deep down that, I mean, you know, even like his brother tweeted something like after at the, the whole extension signing. Um, and it was just kind of like, wow, my brother's the face of a franchise. And I think it's that like that level of kind of humility that is kind of surprising when people see Westbrook play and they see him and the, see everybody in their face, but he really is just this family guy and it's been written about, but it's basically, he's got his tight circle of people and they almost feel safe now. And like, they are the Oklahoma city community are a huge part of it. And um, so I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, that's kind of where I take, I take from it. But yeah, I think like Marina said, basically Durant leaving kind of opened the door for him to say, okay, I, I can own this now. And all this. And yet he really only signed for one more year. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the other, that's the interesting thing. So is there still a significant f- flight risk uh at this point or or is it enough that he signed for one more year to for the city to really look at him as someone who chose Oklahoma uh and is for lack of a better word sort of a savior the one who wanted to stay even though he's staying for only one more year I mean are those two things incongruent or are they congruent I I think it all comes down to record honestly I think Westbrook's a really competitive guy and if the Thunder are not competitive and he thinks that they don't have a chance to win the title after a couple of years then he'd say you know all right I'm because he's like what 28 now he'll be like I'm 30 I'm out I'm just going to kind of become a complimentary piece somewhere else where I can still have a glory because Westbrook wants the spotlight and I don't think he really wants to struggle on a lower end being the star on a bad team you know so we've got to mesh and we've got to do well. And I think that if the Thunder stand a fighting chance against everybody but the Warriors, then um, he'll he'll stay here. But if the Thunder kind of collapse and we don't make the playoffs this year, which is a possibility, then uh, then he'll be more inclined to leave. And that's a boring answer, but yeah. <laughs> no, and I think Marina, I don't know, I mean, if you'd agree with me on this, but I think even um, just this one extra year thing, it's kind of his basically – way of saying all right i'll give this a shot with you guys and i think just even that in itself like i think if in two years if it didn't work or even in a year if it didn't work i don't think thunder fans would necessarily even fault him for being like hey i'm gonna go test this out now and i think uh like in contrast to durant he is a real guy and i think he would just come forward and say hey guys like i i want to test this somewhere else and i don't think anyone would blame him for that and i think i don't know i mean would you agree with that, Marina? Because that's kind of how I feel about it. Like he gave it a shot, and if it if this doesn't work, then yeah, man. I mean, you're he's his athleticism is only going to last so long, however many more years. I mean, it can't be more than four or five where he's at this level. Um, so I I don't think I'd necessarily even blame him after if if in a year he said I'm moving on. Yeah, because I can't see a situation where in three years it's like, oh, we're going to be so much better or all oh, this guy is going to develop. You know, it's more like, you know, we're kind of already where we need to be if we want to be competitive. So it's going to work out in one or two years or it's not. So, it's yeah. Like- and maybe Steph Curry rolled his ankle or something and we have a shot. Interesting. Yeah. So he's here for the long haul. And 
everybody's excited Hopefully. about the or i guess yeah you're right he's here for at least one more year the long haul is a different definition now than it used to actually not this yeah um so everybody's excited for the russell westbrook revenge tour where he takes the world by storm sneering at kevin durant uh, along the way giving all these cryptic quotes about how they don't talk and just kind of doing some what of what he did a couple years ago when durant was injured on steroids do you expect that to be the case I think Westbrook did do uh, – I think he can kind of perform every single night on that level that he did a couple of years ago when Durant was out. Um, it's def- – because we won like 50-some games that year. I mean we had Serge Ibaka, but I think that we really have this level of talent necessary to replace Serge Ibaka. So I think it's possible, but definitely Westbrook's minutes are going to have to go down. I think we're going to see more like 32 to 36 minutes a game is what's going to be ideal. And then we're probably going to go with a two-point guard rotation of Kristen and Price to spell him. And uh, they'll both get about 10 minutes each. But we got to keep – we can't have him go up into like maybe the 40-minute uh, level because that's where he's – that's definitely where he starts to fall apart. But if, as long as you keep him below 30, 34 or 33, he'll be good. I don't know if Russ is going to be okay with 33 minutes a game. <laughs> I guess we'll see. But uh, so you're you're saying maybe no, not the same sort of rampage revenge tour. Chris, do you agree? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I agree with that. I I don't think he could do that ever again. I mean, that was just a crazy situation where basically he had. I mean, that was when Cantor first got to the team too. So they didn't really totally know what they were as a team. So I think now he kind of feels more comfortable and knows like the pieces he has around him. Um, and feels you know trusts his guys a little more so i don't i don't think he's gonna go that intense over 82 games but i mean he i wouldn't put anything past him but i i mean i i would hope that he kind of understands too that you know i don't think they're really going for seeding at this point i think it's more of just getting into the playoffs and then that's where i can really go crazy and um start going 42 minutes a night and really kind of try to shock the world at that point so i I would think he understands that, you know, he's almost 28 or whatever now. So, I, but who knows? It's Westbrook. So, I want you, you folks, to answer. We have a. It seems like a Westbrook skeptic in asking us questions. It's from Courtney Kennedy, and there are three different Westbrook questions that I think are a sign that he is maybe skeptical of Westbrook's talent. First is, uh, can Russ actually be a leader? Uh, this is not something he says that he's never really been full-time on or off the court. Do you agree that can he actually lead the team? Oh, he's yeah. been I mean, the leader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I, think, I think this was anyone that followed the team, I think, and even like Marina mentioned earlier, Durant even said it, like this has been Westbrook's team for at least three years. Like, I mean, he, he's basically the, the motor that gets him going, and it, you could kind of tell every night, like Westbrook's on one tonight, and we're going to kind of go the way he goes. So, I mean, I, I think as a leader, there's no doubt. And you can see last year, too, his assist numbers, I mean, everything, that he's basically was as good of a point guard as anyone last year in terms of leading the team. So. Okay, here, here's another one he asks. How good a clutch player could Russ be? Because I believe last year his fourth quarter numbers were a little shaky. Uh, Marina, do you think that he can be better in the clutch this year? Mm, I, I, it's really hard <laughs> to say because he, he was he was bad in the clutch last year because he would just get tired, I believe, and you know people he'd get kind of predictable. Uh, but you know now nowadays he's going to have to get a lot more varied with his offense just in general because Durant's not there. So you're going to have to have him be a little bit more active. So it, it's really a hard thing to crack. But, I mean, there have definitely have been instances where Westbrook has just been fearless and made some really, really clutch baskets. So I think, just like I said before, it's all just going to be about keeping his minutes down and keeping him in shape, I guess. Okay, and he, he also mentions why doesn't his decline in defense get talked about more? I think it gets talked about. Yeah, it gets just... talked about plenty. <laughs> Anyway, there is there is a team around Russell Westbrook, and it is a different team than what has was around him in the past, and that is primarily because of the other big blockbuster move this summer, the Serge Ibaka trade for Victor Oladipo, Ursan Ilyasova, and Demonis Sabonis. So are you surprised, uh, Chris, that the Thunder moved on from Serge Ibaka, one of the other pillars of their team over time? Uh, no, I wasn't. I mean, that's a move that Durant, when it happened, like was thrilled and head over heels and the, you know, it was like telling everybody how, oh, we're going to be so good, which is another reason why it was annoying that he left. Cause he was basically talking about saying, we're, we're going to win. We're going to do this, blah, blah. Um, but I think if you, 
you know, watching the playoffs, I mean, Ibaka had a couple good games, but I think all year it, it just seemed like he had aged rapidly and it just he wasn't kind of the guy he was and he never really totally fit. So, I mean, the move was made in the context of Durant still being there, obviously. And it's like, if you have Durant there, then this move really makes sense because Oladipo, I think, has kind of shown he he could be something here. And so I, I think the move was great. And I think Sabonis, too, was like the the pick they got for it. And, I mean, he's shown – he's already looking really good as a, as a rookie. So um, – I, I don't think it was a surprise that they moved on from him. I mean, I think now in hindsight, you kind of wonder if maybe they would have been better off keeping him if Durant, knowing Durant's gone now, because you are going to, the Thunder's biggest advantage was their like length on defense. And now you basically lost your two longest defenders. And so I think that's obviously one of the biggest hurdles they'll have to overcome. That's the only thing I worry about is that there's a sense, obviously, like you said, Ibaka's numbers have declined. Uh, his role has changed as Steven Adams has emerged. I think that's pulled Ibaka right. further and further away from the basket. Uh, but there is something I, I worry about is just the the versatility of Ibaka defensively and really, I think, his unselfishness, although he seemed to crave touches by the end, but I think he sort of was the whipping boy of the team for a while, the one that, that sacrificed yeah. to kind of make things... I wonder... You know, if that's a quality that they may only miss when they're when he's gone. Uh, at the same time, Arena Victor Oladipo is an interesting prospect. Uh, how do you see him fitting in? Uh, I think Oladipo will fit in as a uh, kind of he's got he's he's definitely an offense generator. He's kind of in the same vein as Robertson. Uh, it's but we've had a really really hard time in the preseason trying to figure out how he's going to work in the offensive set. Um, I mean, most of his points have seemed to come kind of when he's generating defense to offense, like Robertson, and he's really good when he can get a full. Uh, had his steam going, but the Thunder have never really been good at moving the ball from side to side, and I think that's where Oladipo would shine the most, is if he was kind of the off-ball uh, guy who worked on the other side, kind of around those those screens, and uh, received those swing passes, but uh, when you kind of just have him go around a screen straight up, or you kind of have him do a post-up, it just, from, I mean, I didn't watch a ton of him in Orlando, because I'm a West first person, but I saw in this preseason, it's just been uh, really difficult for him to score out of those, both of those situations, so I'm really skeptical, but I think what we've got to try to focus on is kind of moving the ball from side to side and getting him to do some of that weak side action. So the decision to move is kind of made for him. That's the challenge. And that that's what he has always been. And very talented player, but I, I worry that he's sort of a, a Westbrook light and uh, that maybe they need something different from their off-guard spot. At the same time, the Thunder have wanted him for years. I, weren't they trying to trade up for him uh, when he was drafted? And... He certainly has the work ethic. Uh, he has uh, the kind of know-how to improve. If he can become a little bit of a better shooter, it might work. Uh, I just wonder – I wonder a little bit in general, and this is a question that has been asked from us from uh, our friends Chris Strick Lonzingas. Uh, who's going to shoot the ball on this team? I mean, spacing might be a problem, right? Yeah, uh, based on the preseason, apparently it's Kyle Singler. But uh... – <laughs> Yeah, I don't. That's that's kind of the million dollar question for the Thunder is like who is going to shoot the ball? I mean, obviously Russell Westbrook is going to shoot the ball, but shoot and make is the next question, and I don't. I think that's kind of what they're going to struggle to find. Um, and you know, Moore obviously is their best shooter, but he just has never been able to find a spot because he can't play defense. And um, beyond that, I mean, it's gonna. I don't know if it's looking and acquiring someone, but yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know exactly either. <laughs> To answer that question, I mean, what, what's their starting five looking like right now? Uh, start, start. I'd say starting five is uh, at, it's definitely Adams, uh, uh, Sabonis, Robertson, uh, Oladipo, Westbrook. So Sabonis is going to start at the four. Uh, that's pretty impressive. But again, how many there's how many of those guys can shoot the ball from the perimeter consistently? I guess the hope is that Oladipo will be better uh, as a shooter. Robertson will be better but obviously teams just didn't guard him last year uh, and he only really functioned well I think when they started to switch him's position with the Baca on offense and Adams is really really great dive man and really soft hands I think he's gonna have a huge year but 
with that, that's not a lot of shooting right there. And, and it's going to be easy to cramp the floor, and especially when you consider Westbrook's kind of tendency to force some shots. I, that may have sort of a double-edged sword effect where they need him to do that, but at the same time, he's going to force it too much and take some tough shots, and that will ruin his efficiency a little bit. I mean, this is a concern. Yes, it is. Um, I think the thing that the Thunder 2 are banking on a little bit, but who knows how much it'll work. But last year, I mean, they were like a historically good rebounding team, and I think they're kind of banking on that again this year and that they can – there's going to be a lot of misses for them to gobble up hopefully on the offensive side and then kind of create something off that. So, I mean, I don't know how much how much of a winning formula that is, but I think that you do have to think they'll at least get something from second chance points too. Yeah, I believe they were one of the best offensive rebounding teams in NBA history last year. I am yeah, setting yeah. this up. So there's that is definitely the strategy. They are trying to bully ball Just their way. Just chuck it up and hope you can grab a rebound and <laughs> go from there. I'm looking at this. Wow, they grabbed 31% of their rebounds last year. That was four points higher than the second place team. Well, and that's before. I mean, that's, you know, you figure they're going to use that Twin Towers lineup a little more this year uh, since it works so well against the Spurs. And I mean, I think that's a, in the regular season, you can kind of grind out some games that way. Um, so. And Lovarin. Lovarin isn't a much talked about pickup, but he's huge. Uh, and uh, when Connor and Adams are dinged up, he's definitely going to add to that. Well, the other thing, too, is that Westbrook just slips through all these creases, and even if he misses, he's sort of rotated the defense, and that sets up the offensive rebound. So it's going to be an interesting sort of intellectual experiment because I think shooting, shooting, shooting is all the rage, but the Thunder have certainly banked on kind of zagging where others zig, or is it zigging where others zag? I don't remember which one I'm supposed to say. <laughs> uh, with the offensive rebounding, uh, they they whipped out that Cantor Adams lineup in the playoffs, like you said, the super lineup, and they certainly have penetrators in Westbrook and Old Depot. Where even if they miss or kind of, they're still charging head first. And Adams is a great offensive rebounder. Cantor uh, Robertson is a really good offensive rebounder for his position. So, I mean, is this a gamble that can keep the Thunder in the top ten in offense in your mind? In your minds. Uh, no, I think the Thunder are definitely a defense first team. Uh, I think just having played with them in NBA 2K17 is just so <laughs> impossible. I mean, they, you know, it's weird because you know, they used to be ranked number one every year, and now they're, or, I mean, near number. They'd be like in the top five or something, and now they're like in the bottom ten uh, in terms of just rankings of teams. And trying to play with them on offense is just a nightmare because the other team knows that they can just sag. And uh, when you watch them in the preseason, the other team knows that they can just sag. So when you don't have... Westbrook's athleticism to move the defense, it's really hard to get anything going. And this is especially true for our backups because Payne was supposed to be that scoring point guard who could do stuff around screens, but now we're just restricted to Kristen and Price and neither of them. And no, but we don't really have any of those shot generators. So offense is going to be really, really hard during non-Westbrook minutes. So you think the defense will be good? I actually am a little worried about the defense because of the loss of Ibaka. And I, when Adams was injured in some of the games they played early in the preseason, they got lit up. So, but they do have Oladipo is a ball hawk. They have Robertson, uh, but you still think? And Adams, is, of course, when he plays, is a really good center. So, is this going to be a good defense? I'm actually a little skeptical. Tell me why I am wrong. I I think it's all has to do with um, uh, Demata Sabonis. I mean, he's not athletically gifted, but he's one on one very gifted. So if there's like he goes up against like a Blake Griffin, I think that he's going to have a really a really good time of defending him just because he's stout and he knows what to do because he's just so mentally ready coming from Lithuania where they do ridiculous amount of preparation and you know his father having played in the NBA. Uh, and I, I also think that we just uh, Houston. I think Houston is going to get some minutes this year. And uh, I mean, I know that nobody outside of Oklahoma City thinks that Houston is any good at this point. But I think that if you look at his physical attributes, he's basically on the same level as Andre Robertson and he can provide that same level of defensive help. So I think once you add those couple of guys, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to replace Ibaka. But, you know, we want the same kind of versatility. But I think that we have a good defender at pretty much every single position that we can stop someone with. And I think that's kind of more important than anything else because you don't want to be exploited in a certain area. Chris, do you agree? <laughs> uh, I'm not as optimistic. I think you did a nice job kind of convincing me, but I think still it kind of, I think you kind of get into that bench and you have Cantor out there. I don't know how you account for Cantor because it was kind of Abaka and Durant could at least be on there. One of them to help him a little bit on the help side. So I'm not, 
as confident, but at the same time, I mean, I think Roberson is going to be in a role where he's basically going to just take on the best guy, and he's shown in the past he kind of relishes that. I don't know how it's going to play out over a whole season, but, I mean, you kind of look at a few years when Kobe was still at least somewhat good, uh, he would kind of take Kobe out and kind of take that matchup personally. You got to think he's going to do the same thing with Durant um, and other guys. But I think it just kind of comes into how does the rest of the team step up. And it, it, when you get into those crazy lineups like the Warriors where you have guys that can play multiple positions, I don't. I think defensive versatility is like the key to the league now. And I don't know how many guys the Thunder have that can kind of defend beyond kind of their position. I, I think Adams is pretty good in terms of he's athletic enough to maybe keep up with some speedy guys but even still not not to that extent so i i'm not as optimistic but um i don't know <laughs> we'll see robertson i think is a great is going to be a great defender i think he's terrific but right. the problem of course is that robertson is a liability on the other end so can you play him a lot of minutes uh that what is this team's best lineup? Not the starting lineup, but like what is the best five-man unit that covers all every ground? That's what I am not quite sure about. I, in my opinion, uh, it's the starting lineup just because it's impossible to have because uh, Kanner is just the bench king. I mean, he's somebody who can score 30 points against a team like last year's Blazers who didn't have a center to guard the paint. I mean, if there's no big center, Connor can score and he can do really well. Uh, but you, you, but like you can't play him with like necessarily uh, the starters because you need somebody to defend the rim, and uh, it, it it's, it's you just can't balance that. And when you're in a fourth quarter and you've got Connor in at the end of the fourth quarter, he always gets exploited defensively, and he always just end up like kicking your hat into the dirt because you're just really angry about it. So I, I think that the optimal lineup is the starting lineup, and I think that it'll only change according to the situation. But I think that ideally that's what we're going to try to do i don't think that we're going to have concert in at the end of games so much just because of what i saw from him at the end of games last year Uh, unless he plays the spurs then that'll work out quite nicely uh this is a question from robert flom i think you you both have answered it but uh it's worth elaborating on uh who is a young guy on this team you're most excited for he asks about cameron Payne, uh alex abrinas who they signed from spain or sabonis oh yeah that's where our shooting comes from, by the way. Has <laughs> he looked okay in preseason? Uh, he did in Spain, I believe. I honestly haven't seen too much of the preseason, but he I think he shot okay, right, Marina? <laughs> I I've seen uh he's like uh he shot pretty well in Spain. Uh I think he had one off shooting night, but then he had another shooting night against the um backup Timberwolves, which doesn't really mean much. But the main uh concern really isn't his shooting. His shooting seems to be there. It's and his um gaminess seems yeah. to be there. It's more so his physicality on defense. He's just kind of a stick, you know. Does he really have that? He's yeah. Anthony Morrow 2.0. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so, he, he's long. He, he's a little bit longer than Morrow, but he, he's definitely the same strength, I'd say. <laughs> okay. So, but, so the answer is Sabonis, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so definitely. We've talked about how good he is. Uh, Harrison Fagan, our friend from the uh, uh, Lakers site, uh, asks, with Cameron Payne missing time, is Russell Westbrook going to have to play 40-plus minutes a game? You guys both, you both think that he – will be able to keep his minutes down even without Cameron Payne. Is is that correct? I think uh, they yeah. have to. I don't I don't know if they want to, but it's kinda like you have to just to think of the bigger picture. Is Derek Fisher still available as a player? <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard an interview he did on uh on the last Lakers game. It looks like he is very much past his playing days. Uh okay. I don't know. I can't believe I just actually entertained the idea of bringing Derek Fisher back after he killed like the two thousand fourteen team, but uh, I, Des- I was not entertaining that idea for the record. <laughs> yeah, I know. sorry, it just it just crossed my mind. He was pretty ripped, like even when he was a coach. So okay, carry on. Fair enough. Uh, I think that Russ is going to play a lot of minutes. I am much less skeptical that they will keep his minutes down. But um, I mean, I could see him more. What did what did Harden play last year? Didn't he play like thirty eight minutes? Like I could see him around that level. I think forty is a little high, but I think you figure like five minutes each half, ten ten minutes a game. That seems about right. Yeah, I don't think anyone played 40 minutes a game last year. Uh, Harden played 38.1. I think you had it right on the knot, on the nose. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Not, not bad. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's talk about expectations and what we think they're going to do this year. Uh, to set the scene, I will l- lay this question out from uh, Johnny Ellison, which is, 
what is a successful year for the season? Uh, what's a failed season? And if things really go bad, could we somehow see Westbrook get traded even though he signed the extension? Uh, Marina, what is a successful season for the Thunder? Successful year, uh, second uh, second round of the playoffs. If we don't get past the first round, it's a disappointment. If we get to the second round, we're at least competitive. We, As Oklahomans, I think we just want to compete and uh, kind of get back to where we were because we know we're not what we once were. Chris, what's a failed season? Yeah, probably along those same lines. I mean, I think if they get bounced, if they barely make the playoffs and they get bounced right away, I, you want to at least show that you can contend or you're you're moving in the right direction because i think the big thing is this offseason too if they can somehow lure a free agent um and i don't know exactly it's going to be a tough sell but i think it's a lot tougher when you're a team that kind of looks like you're in shambles and you lost in the first round or you didn't make the playoffs at all which is like doomsday scenario and in that case to answer that question i think I think he's still a trade piece. I don't know if they'd actually pull the trigger, um, but it'd have to be like very bad by February, which I don't see happening. But I, I guess it's always a possibility. I don't know at that point though who's really what the price is for him if they know he's kind of going to be on his way out sooner or later. What's the rule on extension r- trades? Like you have to wait a certain amount of time, I believe. Right? It's, is it three months uh, before you can trade someone again? Uh, something like that. At least sixty days. At least 60 days. Okay. Is it a little different with uh, extensions and renegotiations? Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. So, they they could still trade him again. I think it's always a possibility, but I, I would I still think it's unlikely. But we'll see. So, what do you what do you both think? Marino, what is your predicted record and finish? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm always an eternal uh, optimist. I think that we can definitely make the playoffs again and just kind of be a competitive team, not expecting miracles. I just think that there's going to be a big middle class of the uh, West next year below uh, the Warriors that will kind of extend down to the 7 or 8 seed. And I think the Thunder are going to be in the part in the mix of that. I think we're going to kind of win a good bit in the early season, but because our schedule is so easy, we're going to we're gonna uh, drop a few. But, I mean, because we're coming together, we're going to win. I mean, we're going to lose because we're coming together, but we're going to win because the schedule's easy. And then we'll get together towards the end of the season, but our schedule gets a lot tougher uh, in the second half of the year. So I think it's all going to kind of even out to around maybe a mid 40 or mid to high 40s uh, win record. Chris, what do you think? I am with them. All. I'm with you guys on that. Um, yeah, I think the over under is 45, and I think that's pretty much right on because there's obviously scenarios where they could it could be really bad and it's, they went only win 40 and there's scenarios where everything goes right and they somehow win 50. But I don't, I think it's probably somewhere in that middle ground. Like Marina was saying, um, I wanted to do the hot take and say, they're going to play the warriors in the second round and beat them, which is obviously everyone's dream. But I don't, <laughs> I think that's a one in a million chance, but um, yeah, I think probably right around there. Yeah. For, I think probably 47, they won 48 that year, two years ago, I believe uh, I when 45. Durant was out. 45 and they missed. Uh, the it was only 45. Yeah, they missed, but everyone else won a lot of games that year. I do think there's going to be a lower record. I mean, I think 45 wins would get them in this year, whereas two years ago it didn't, because that was that year the West was super loaded. Uh, yeah, one of many years, but yeah, that was yeah. the year they tied the Pelicans and they had that crazy buzzer yeah. that ended up yeah. being the tiebreaker from Anthony Davis. Uh, yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, that was the year that Cantor just got to the team, so that I don't think they necess- they weren't great at playing as playing together and i mean durant did play 20 something games that year but i think yeah 45 45 ish wins is right about right and i think maybe a five to seven seed and hope the second round goes in their favor i have my concerns about this team i i don't see an easy path to being really good offense or defense. I think there are some serious questions on both sides, uh, whether it's the shooting on offense or the uh, switchability on defense, the loss of Ibaka, I think will really hurt. I'm not sure if they're going to be better uh, on either end this year. And they weren't particularly amazing on defense last year either in the regular season. So I think this will be a struggle just to get in for them. And a lot of it will come down to Westbrook and how good he is. But I don't think it's out of the question for them to be the eighth seed. Like I think I'm I'm worried, and I hope I'm wrong because it would be an amazing story if this team plays really well. But I I am concerned about some of what I've seen in the preseason, and I'm concerned about I just don't see 
an easy path to being a top 10 offense or defense. Like, I think it's entirely possible that they're below that threshold on both sides. And if that's the case, we're looking at a borderline playoff team. So I hope I'm wrong, but I, I am concerned. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm feeling other West teams more than I'm feeling this team. I honestly can't blame you. I mean, we <laughs> don't have the three point shooters, but I guess I just really believe in um, our athleticism and our unique construction. That's kind of my counterpoint. <laughs> yeah. And I guess what I would say too, is it's just, to me, it's kind of like, like you mentioned, it's a lot of it comes on Westbrook and it's like Westbrook is, but in many regards, probably a top five player in the league. And it's like, it's hard for me to see a top five player in the league, not being able to lead his team to the playoffs, no matter who was around him. And so I think a lot of it falls on him and it, maybe he isn't, doesn't have that pedigree. And we learn a lot about him this year. And that sounds super hot takey, but I think it's kind of fair at this point. Cause it, a lot of this is his, his chance to show what he can do as a leader of that team. Yeah. It might not even be, it's a team game and it might, he might just not have the mix. And that's what happened a couple of years ago. Obviously it's a different team in some ways they are a lot better uh, this year than they were two years ago when they missed the playoffs. In some ways, they may be not as good. I would say probably on paper they're better. And the rebounding may be a significant advantage that they can leverage. But uh, I think there are some serious questions. And it would be fantastic if Westbrook can overcome it. Let's put it that way. Uh, it is going to be fun to follow this team this year and to think about the Oklahoma City Golden State games. Uh, it would be an interesting first or second round series, of course. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't talked about with this team that is going to be a key to their success in your minds? I think uh, it's going to be finding a solution for the backup point guard early in the season because, like I said, they're early games and we've got to find a way to get Connor the ball and uh, we got to figure out is it going to be Kristen or is it going to be uh, Price? I don't think you can play them both at shooting guard, point guard. You're going to have to choose one or the other and uh, think that what each one brings to the table. And in my opinion, if you can rein Kristen in enough to the point where his mid-range is good, I think that uh, that would definitely help us out. So just kind of an extra thing. That is Samaj Christian, right? The uh, is that yeah. the Xavier product? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. people know. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say one other thing too is the Billy Donovan aspect. I think last year, kind of all regular season, everyone was kind of hard on him, and I was too, and I didn't totally believe in him. And I think the playoffs, people kind of lightened up, but then you kind of look back and you realize, like, wait, he basically just went with like a six or seven man rotation and played his best guys, and now two of those guys are gone. So I think kind of seeing how he handles you know, that ba- that backup point guard situation, how he handles Cantor off the bench, things like that. I mean, that's a huge a huge thing for him when it's really his second year in the NBA. It's a good point. We don't really know what kind of coach he is. We It'll be very interesting to see. That's a good way of summing up this entire team. All right, Marina Manjaracina. I got that right. Yes. Correct. Awesome. Uh, and Chris Haneke from Welcome to Loud City and the Loud Noises podcast. Thank you guys both for joining us. Thanks for Thanks having so us. Thanks a lot. So we are almost done with this uh, limited upside team-by-team team countdown. We only have three teams left. We have San Antonio coming up with uh, Pounding the Rock. We have the Cavs with Fear the Sword. And then uh, the Evil Empire with uh, Golden State Ugh. of Mind. Uh, just three teams left. If, yeah, yeah, Go <laughs> ahead. Get, get it all in now. Throw it all out. Oh, Cheaters. they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right, now we've gotten that off our chest. Uh, you can f- listen to the other 26 teams in our countdown by going to our page on iTunes. Uh, we are almost here for the season, and stay tuned for some really big, f- cool stuff with our NBA preview coming out later this week, including the Welcome to Loud City uh, Thunder season preview and another possibly cool Thunder piece coming. Just a little teaser right there. Uh, But until next time, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. Podcast.